I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, we're going to talk about sleep paralysis. What is it? Why does it happen? What do people see or feel when it happens? And as I'm sure you might know, if you know anything about sleep paralysis, there's something that comes along, there's something that comes along with it every time, and that's shadow people. So we'll be talking, so we'll be talking, so we'll be talking about that as well. But first, we have shout-outs. That's right, shout-outs. New Laura, welcome. Shani, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson. Kira, Rich, Rachel, Laura, Angie, Anthony, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan, Daniel, Dill, Edgar, Heidi, Jeff, Juliana, Kat, Laura P., Laura Ruth O., Lindsay, Maggie, hi Maggie, Matt, Pablo, and a special shout-out to McKeon. That's right, McKeon, this one's for you. Plus, I have two additional shout-outs to Lauren and Christy, who found an EVP that I'll be playing for you in just a second from the Debbie Moffitt episode. The Debbie Moffitt episode, which is like 20 episodes ago, I had listened to a million times when I was editing it, and they found an EVP that stunned me so much that I couldn't believe. Well, you know what? Let's just listen to it right now. All right, you're first going to hear Debbie, and she's talking about... She's going to have us clean it out. Right after she says clean them out the second time, I believe it is, you'll very clearly, at least in my opinion, hear the words, take them all. So listen for that. I'm going to play it a couple of times after that. Hopefully you guys can hear it. Uh, she had us clean out one of the room upstairs that was the main room that he, like his bedroom. Okay, he had us, she had us clean it out. Take all the furniture out. Clean it out. Take Clean it out. Take out. Take One more time. Uh, she had us clean out one of the room upstairs that was the main room that he, like his bedroom. Okay, he had us, she had us clean it out, take all the furniture out. Clean it out, take clean it out, take take out, take Did you hear it? I played it a few times there. First starts off with Debbie Moffat telling a story. If you haven't listened to the Debbie Moffat episode, please do yourself a favor and listen to it right after this one because it is one of my all-time favorite episodes Debbie, who is just a lovely, lovely lady, telling a fantastic story that is 100% true. And during it, apparently, it wasn't just Jamie, Todd, Debbie, and me. Apparently, there was somebody else there, too, and they had to get in one little piece of information. Take them all. That's what I heard. What did you guys hear? Did you hear it at all? Because I think it's pretty damn clear, and it's pretty damn spooky. And also, one final shout-out to Christy who sent in the UFO over Millinocket story that I posted up on Facebook. So just a thank you for sending me over that photo. I think it was great. I think the story's cool. I couldn't debunk it. I tried to put lint on my camera and take some photos. None of them turned out to look like a UFO over my shoulder. So I don't know what to think about it. But anyhow, all of those other shout outs, those are people that are on patreon.com slash paranormal almanac. Those are my patrons. Those are my peeps. Those are my paramaniacs. I want to say one more thank you to you guys. You are the best. Here's a personal request 
for this episode, actually for this whole podcast, please share it. Share it with a friend, with a family. It's October. It is time to share weird, spooky crap just like this. It helps me. It helps me make more episodes, which helps you if you like my episodes. Post about it on social media. Tell all your friends, tell all your families, tell all your enemies. Next up, I want to tell you about something that I'm not being paid to talk about. It is just that cool. The other night, I had a chance to go to The Omen House. Not The Omen House from the movie The Omen, but The Omen House. O-M-A-N. This house is incredible. David Omen was so generous. He let me come into the house. He gave me a private tour. We did a mini private investigation. Then we had a private interview. He was very generous, very nice, very willing to let me go and try and debunk a couple of things and move stuff and play with stuff and look at stuff. He was cool as hell about it. So, David, thank you. And if you guys... Oh, and I should probably tell you what it is. So the Omen House is the house that was built on the side of a cliff on Cielo Drive. If that doesn't sound too familiar, well, five murders happened on Cielo Drive way back in the day. The Manson followers killed Sharon Tate and four other people. It was horrific. It was brutal. I'll be talking about it more on the David Omen episode that should be coming up very soon. But, like I said, he allowed me to walk through his house, and he'll allow you to walk through his house too. Because on October 13th, that's right, October 13th, coming up very soon, go to The Omen House. That's O-M-A-N, theomenhouse.com. You can get your tickets for $99.00. It's a seven-hour investigation with food and drinks. And I'm talking a huge spread, too. He really puts it all out there for everybody. Shows you around. Shows you some footage of EVPs and things moving. The house is all rigged up with cameras. So while you're doing your investigation, if something happens, you got it on camera right then and there. And that's right. I said investigation because he allows you to investigate the house. To walk around. To do your own EVP or do your own, um, yeah, do your own EVP sessions. He is willing to say, hey, here's my house. Don't wreck it. Have fun. Enjoy. Try and talk to these spirits. And I got to tell you guys, without spoiling too much of the Omen episode that's coming up, I had some experiences that I cannot explain. So much so, I personally am paying for this and going on October 13th because I want seven hours to investigate. Seven full hours. If you take Any paranormal tour ever, I guarantee you it's an hour, maybe two max. And he's given us seven hours to walk around a very active house with a ton of EVPs. In fact, if you go to the Omen House on, or if you look up the Omen House on YouTube, you can watch these EVPs and these things moving and what they see and what they find. Sure, I don't believe them all. I'm a skeptic, as you know. But... The ones that I wanted to try and debunk when I was at the house, let me just give you a spoiler now, I couldn't debunk them. That's all I'm going to say because I want to save the rest for the David Omen episode. It's a fantastic episode. Putting it together now. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Go over to theomenhouse.com. Get your tickets now. You'll see me there. We can investigate together. I think that would be a blast. Alrighty, and again, I'm not getting paid to say that. So again, next up, we got paranormal news. And the first story up on Paranormal News, sinister hunger stones with dire warnings have been surfacing in Europe. 
So there's been a record-breaking harshness of summer in Europe. It's been everywhere. I'm sure you've noticed it too. There are ancient stones that people put up called hunger stones that are reappearing in Chechia and also in uh, Central Europe and other parts of Central Europe. These hunger stones traditionally sit below the waterline of the Elbe River, or E-L-B-E, maybe Elbe River, as it flows through the town of Deacon. I'm sure I butchered that. But with water levels hitting record low, the rocks and the words carved into them are being exposed again. And here's what the rocks say. They were dated from 1616, and they simply read, If you see me, weep. Some of those rocks go all the way back to 1417, talking about dire times. If you will again see this stone, so you will weep, so shallow the water was in the year 1417. It's a a dark omen of what's to come because, as I'm sure you know, climate change is real and it's really happening and it's bringing back things that we never thought we would see again. And when those things were originally seen, it was horrific times for everyone. The next story up, there is an interactive map that tracks every United States alien sighting since 1940. Now to get to this map, you have to go to casino.org slash UFO dash odds. And I'm going to put this on the Facebook as well. But what are your odds of seeing a UFO in the United States? You can click on the state. Odds of seeing a UFO in Alabama are plus 124,700. What about California? 168,700. Michigan? 170,000 to one. 5,848 total UFO sightings in Michigan. Florida is the state with the lowest odds of spotting a UFO at just with just 348,500. You can click on any state of the map and it'll tell you what your odds are seeing a UFO in that area. It's also going to tell you a little bit about the UFO sightings. What happened in 1947? What happened in 1948? Whatever the date was of those sightings. I'm on Michigan still, by the way. 1954. Let's see. Well, let's see what happened in 1972. There was a couple. 66. There was a couple. I mean, this thing goes into some real cool details about UFO sightings. So if you're interested in the UFO sightings of the United States, this seems to be the place to go. Once again, you can go to facebook.com/paranormalalmanac. I'll add that bookmark there, and uh, I think you guys will dig it. Now, finally, we have one more piece of paranormal news that I was going to save till the next episode, but I want to talk about it now. The Loch Ness Monster, you know I hate that term, Nessie, was spotted by a mom searching Google Earth. Now, apparently there are a couple of Google Earth photos of the Loch Ness, and this Ohio mother named Lisa Stout was searching through or browsing through Loch Ness in the program because... She'd been searching for Nessie on and off for the past few weeks, spending an hour or so a week on Google Earth, as well as other places, to see if she could find Nessie. Well, on the 13th, doesn't say 13th of what, so I'm going to say 13th of September. On the 13th at 9.45 a.m., I got my daughter off to school and began to search for Nessie when I noticed a cluster of pictures taken by an underwater Earth contributor all in one area near the Loch Ness Highland Resort in Fort Augustus. And 
it's interesting. There's a photo from just before this picture. So there's pictures in sequence. One just before, there's nothing there. Sure, you can kind of see like a little branch sticking out and that kind of stuff, but nothing Nessie-shaped. Then you click the next photo, and I'll be damned if it doesn't look like something is sticking its head up out of the water and looking towards the right, I guess. The left, you know, facing the left of the camera. And when you blow it up, it does really look like Nessie is sticking her head out of the water and looking at the camera. Not necessarily the camera, but just looking around. I'm not saying this is a photo of Nessie at all. I'm just saying it's a very interesting photo that might be Nessie. I don't know. I can't tell you. So if you want to see that one, that one will also be on facebook.com slash paranormal almanac. I don't know how to put it. Well, I guess I can just take a screenshot of it and I'll put that on the Instagram as well. So with all of that, let's get right to a very popular topic. And I'll be honest, it's not one that I was really planning on doing because I never experienced it. All right, maybe once, but not like some of you. Like, I really didn't know personally too much about sleep paralysis. But one of the perks of being a patron is you can give me a topic to do. So when Daniel asked me to do it, I started researching it. And boy, did it take me down a few rabbit holes. So here you go, Daniel. Complete with listener experiences from some of you, I give you the episode of Sleep Paralysis. I guess I should stay, I, I guess I should start this off with what is sleep paralysis? In case you don't know, sleep paralysis is also known as old hag. I'll get to that in a bit. And it's a phenomenon that is known by cultures all around the world. I'll be honest, I couldn't find a single culture that doesn't talk about sleep paralysis or a time in our written history that doesn't describe it. Now, the reasons vary through time, but it's always been there. Simply put, sleep paralysis is when during awakening or falling asleep, a person is aware but unable to move or speak. Researchers believe sleep paralysis is caused by a disturbed rapid eye movement cycle because it mostly happens as people are falling into or coming out of REM sleep. During that stage, their brains normally paralyze their muscles so you don't get up and act out your dreams. That makes sense to me. Thank God for that. But during sleep paralysis, the sleeper is awake or half awake and so is aware she cannot or he cannot move. But even though they can't move, they can look around. Their body's frozen. They're half awake. They can look around. As far as they can tell, they're awake but paralyzed. Hence, sleep paralysis. Now, when you're in the dream state, though, a part of your brain called the amygdala is already heightened and working. And this is why when you do have sleep paralysis, this is what supposedly, I'm going through the scientific explanation first. Supposedly, the amygdala, it's you're heightened, you're aware, and you're awake and you panic because you can't move. The amygdala goes into overdrive. It's called hypervigilance. Your brain goes bonkers, basically, and somehow, I don't get it, but let's go with it, somehow, sleep paralysis and hallucinations occur. And it's not rare either. In fact, it's fairly common, 
and some research suggests around 50% of people have experienced it at least once, with a large portion of them experiencing it over and over again. Like I was saying, this has happened throughout all of recorded time. When I started going down this rabbit hole, if there's written history, they talk about sleep paralysis in some way, shape, or form. Symptoms of sleep paralysis have been described in many ways, mostly religious until very recently, but we'll get to that, and attributed to an evil presence. I'll be honest, even now, it's attributed to an evil presence. It's also attributed to the devil, demons, anything evil, including the old hag. The old hag and the origin for this title may have roots as far back as the Sumerians. Ardat Lily, or Lily II, an evil hag demon, was said to have had the power of flight, which she preferred to do at night when she would attack men in their sleep, and was even written about by Shakespeare, and Lilith was also a woman thrown out of Eden by God, so it references her too. Fun fact, that Lilith flew away and is now the eater of children, hers and others alike. So, it's also called the old hag syndrome. Because while you're having sleep paralysis, you have hallucinations. I'm calling them hallucinations right now. I'm going to change that in a minute. But for right now, you have these hallucinations. And sometimes people hallucinate an old woman coming and sitting on their chest. And I got to say, it's not just blamed on religious figures like the old hag or Lilith. It's also blamed on ghosts and other apparitions, until finally, like most things paranormal, sleep paralysis is sometimes blamed on alien abductions. It's also blamed on the mare, which, fun fact, is where the word nightmare comes from, and it's a succubus who comes to victims at night. And I can see why all of these make sense after I went down the rabbit hole of sleep paralysis. There are so many instances that match one or more of those descriptions I just gave you. Okay, so while your body is paralyzed, you can see things that science says isn't there. But I gotta say, after reading experiences and hearing about them from some of you, I'm beginning to wonder how much is a hallucination. I'm beginning to wonder how much of it is a hallucination and how much is something else. I don't want to say something evil, but I'm leaning towards something evil. Or I guess I should say something otherworldly. I'll put it that way. After going down this rabbit hole, I'm leaning farther and farther away from the term hallucinations. But I will say, even if they are hallucinations, that doesn't make them any less terrifying. You're frozen. You're unable to move or scream no matter how hard you try. You feel awake. You can't move. And then you see and feel these things and you're powerless to do anything about them. To me, that's terrifying, whether it's, a, whether it's a hallucination or it's real. Okay, because I know how much the skeptics are going to shout about this episode, I'm going to go into some more research. Specifically research done at Waterloo University, and it's on sleep paralysis. They studied the REM dream states and compared them to sleep paralysis with hypnagogic or hypnopompic hallucinations. And those are called HHEs, if you really want to get technical. And there is some interesting results. So while we're dreaming in a normal REM state, 
Our minds send out a message to your body to cease our normal motor functions, like I was saying earlier. They turn off our muscles. And again, it's so we don't act out our dreams. We don't go running or fighting or punching or whatever the hell we're doing in our dreams, flying. This keeps us from possibly doing damage to ourselves and those sleeping with us. So that's a good thing. While we're in that REM state, we're experiencing stimuli directly from our brain. Why? No one seems to know. But this triggers hallucinations. Here's my problem with this. Why are so many of these hallucinations the same around the world and throughout time? Don't worry, I'm getting to what people see in just a minute. But back to the research. So they get the REM sleep. They get the uh, they get the REM sleep paralysis with the HHEs, and it does differ from normal REM sleep in two ways. One, there's little or no blocking of external stimulation. Two. The sufferer, I guess the sleep paralysis sufferer, regains full consciousness. They were in the twilight stage of sleep, and instead of falling into a deeper sleep, the person regains consciousness but continues to dream, is what they're calling it. Almost always believing at the time that it's really happening and not being manufactured by their own mind. How they know that, I don't know. So their best guess is that it's due to the failure of the brain's neurons to, I don't know, tell the body it's now awake so it's unable to move, called muscle atonia, in case you wanted to know that. But even still, I can't find any research that explains why everything people are seeing around the world is so similar, and it really bothers me. If you're going to do research on this phenomenon, explain to me how people around the world, throughout the times, completely unconnected at all, would all see or feel the same things. Science, I'm looking at you. Somebody do a sleep paralysis study that can figure that part out, and that'll get me really interested. So let's move on to who does it happen to. Well, from what I could find, the condition happens to just about everyone. Healthy, skinny, fat, thin, young, old. Those with narcolepsy, those that sleep easily. Sometimes it does seem to run in families, but other times it's only one member of the family. The most common thing I could find, across the board, after weeks and weeks of research. You can ask Daniel. I took my time on this one because I wanted to get it right. For him and for you guys. The most common thing I could find seemed to be stress. When a person was more stressed, sleep paralysis seemed to happen more to them. Now, other studies I could find also found links between social anxiety or panic disorders and sleep paralysis. Let's get to what people see. Finally, I've been hedging around it for too long. Let's actually get into it and talk about what people see. Oh yeah, I'm like 24 minutes into this episode. All right. So, a person is asleep. Most seem to be asleep on their back, but that didn't surprise me at all since a lot of people sleep on their backs. I don't think it matters, but anyhow, they're asleep when this thing, either a shadow person or sometimes even a black creature or a black cat, enters the room, sits on their chest. They can feel the weight of it. They can see it. Imagine being unable to move while this thing, even if it is a black cat, especially if you don't own one, 
comes and sits on your chest and you can feel the weight of it on your chest. It gets worse because sometimes these shadow people even choke or smother the person. And let's focus on shadow people for a minute because they are the main creatures seen during sleep paralysis. Sometimes they're just shadows in human shape. Sometimes they're shadows that can morph into human shape. Sometimes they're just amorphous blob shadows that can come across the room, stop being a shadow against the wall, and just be a shadow standing over you or floating over you. Other times, they're even more formed. And this is when it gets weird. Not that it hasn't gotten weird yet, but to me, this is when it gets weird because of so many people who have seen them like what I'm about to talk about. Sometimes, they have fedoras and long coats on. What the hell is that about? What causes people from around the world throughout time to see a shadow person with a long coat and a fedora on coming at them? People nowadays, most people nowadays, I would assume, I'll say, you know what, people 24 and under probably have never really seen a fedora in real life. Not a douche fedora, not like, you know, a Kevin Federline fedora, like a proper fedora, like an Indiana Jones fedora. I would hazard guess that some people listening to this podcast right now have never seen a fedora in real life. Yet, they see shadow people wearing these fedoras and long coats. Like I also said, sometimes it's just an old woman. An old woman that you don't know that you don't recognize, will come into your room or just appear in your room or come out of your closet or come out from side, like, just appear rising up next to your bed. And when these people that are suffering the sleep paralysis, when they focus on the old woman's face, it starts to distort. That's creepy. People sometimes don't see anything at all, but they can hear things just outside their field of vision. Remember, they're paralyzed here. They hear voices. They hear something walking. Doors opening and closing. And you can't move. You can't turn your head far enough to see what's causing this stuff. Another thing that's heard is really odd to me. It's loud buzzing. Loud buzzing is often heard. And I don't know what to make of that one at all. Like, at all. I have no explanation for that one. Now, some people who take sleep paralysis way too easily, who are have who have no problem with the shadow people, some people say that this is just the first step to an out-of-body experience. But that's going to be another episode. You're going to have to wait for out-of-body experiences because we're stuck here, frozen in time, just like a sleep-paralyzed person talking about sleep paralysis and shadow people. I'm going to get to some amazing listener experiences in just a second. But first, let's... Let's explore some sleep paralysis and shadow people from around the world. And let's start in Thailand, because in Thailand, people refer to it, people refer to the being as Phi Um, or Phi Um, which means ghost covered, and Phi Kao, which means ghost possessed. In Japan, they're known as Kananishi Bara. I'm sure I butchered that. But that means the state of being totally bound as if constrained by metal chains. That's a pretty good definition of sleep paralysis as far as I'm concerned. In Brazil, it's known as pisadera. Pisadera is described as a crone with long fingernails who lurks on roofs at night 
and tramples on the chest of those who sleep on a full stomach with the belly up. That's very specific. In Portuguese, it's Frendijo da Mal Forada. Literally, when you say it properly anyway, literally it means little handhole friar. The fuck does that mean? I have no idea. It said that Frendijo would enter people's bedrooms and place his heavy hand upon their chest, preventing them from screaming. In Mexico, it's known as Se Mi Subio El Muerto. Again, when said properly, it's translated as Dead Body Climbed on Top of Me. That's pretty terrifying. Let's go back to ancient Rome. It was called Nocturna Oppressio, which sounds like a Harry Potter spell to me, but actually... It was an incubus, which is a demon or a malevolent spirit. In many cultures, the nightmare, also known as the classic, oh, I'm going to get this one so wrong, Onir Odinia, was due to a giant or a dwarf, a terrible woman or a man, that taking advantage that one is asleep would sit upon their stomach and pressure their thorax, disturbing one's breathing. To the Greeks, it's known as aphialtes, aphialtes, E-P-H-I-A-L-T-E-S. And that is really roughly translated, especially the way I said it, to pounce upon someone. Now I'm going to stop there. I think I've butchered enough languages and names for one episode. So like I said, no matter where you go, what time, throughout history, the stories are alarmingly similar. Did you guys happen to see the photo that I posted on Facebook and on Instagram that was teasing this episode? Some of you got it right off the bat, and good on you. Yes, that painting is a painting of sleep paralysis, or of a demon sitting on a person's chest. But it's regarded as one of the best paintings of sleep paralysis, and I kind of have to agree. Like I said, I do have some listener experiences, but let me read a couple from the internet that I found that are equally as great. The first one says, my mom grew up in a tiny Mexican village. One night she woke up to a dark demon-like figure sitting on her chest and she could not get up. Fearing for her safety, her young son, her young son, who was awake playing in her room at the time, she said, go. So somehow she could move her mouth enough to actually talk or scream. Most, if not all sleep paralysis cases, you can't even scream. You're frozen in fear without being able to scream out. But this woman somehow told her son to go. So go he did to the neighbor's house, and he asked for help. Now, he looked over, didn't see the demon, said okay, and went next door. The demon then turned back to this mom and started to taunt her. She just swore at it and tried not to be afraid until finally it stood up, climbed off, and walked out through the walls. As soon as it was gone, she could move again, So she went outside to the neighbor's house where her son was, but stopped to see the whole village standing outside their doors with baseball bats and kitchen knives. She asked what happened, and they all claimed to see a dark figure walk straight through her walls, through all the walls of the houses down the street. This next one says, I had a couple of very similar experiences as a kid. One night I woke up and could see the tail of a ginger cat walking at the end of my bed. The cat would have had to have been huge. Another time, I woke, another time I woke up and my bedroom door was open. 
Through the crack in the door, I could see a dark silhouette walking around. I remember it of having some kind of big afro and was child-sized. Two for two, some really strange-ass sleep paralysis stories. The next one says, I've had sleep paralysis literally hundreds of times. To me, it's usually a slick, black, alien-type creature about four feet tall. Although I've seen a Grim Reaper type as well. I don't tend to get auditory hallucinations, so keeping my eyes closed pretty much negates the entire experience except for the actual feeling of paralysis. And I gotta say, I heard that from a lot of people. After hundreds and hundreds of times of this happening to people, they know not to panic because panicking makes it worse. And they know they can just close their eyes and hopefully it'll pass fairly quickly. This next one says, here's a tip to other people that suffer from sleep paralysis. Does flicking your toes work for you? I usually have minor motor control of my toes and I'm able to break myself out of the paralyzed state by flicking my toes together, which creates enough stimulation to break through the paralysis and wake me up. All right, so those are some cool ones from the internet, but now here's some even cooler ones from listeners of Paranormal Almanac. You asked for some stories regarding sleep paralysis. I do have a series of events that have happened to me for a period of about eight months. This occurred five years ago, and every time I tell someone, it makes my skin crawl, and it feels super real all over again. I'm not sure where to start, but it happens the same way every time. I'm suddenly standing in the corner of my room I was living in. I look across the room, and I see myself laying in bed, wide awake, staring at a window. From the corner of the room, I watch this terrifyingly creep monster thing glide through the window. They go on to say this window is closed and the glass does not break. This quote-unquote thing glides over the floor and perches on top of the version of myself that's lying on the bed. Uh, They said, sorry if it's confusing, I see myself on the bed from the corner, so I guess it's an out-of-body experience and sleep paralysis. Now I watch as this lumpy, faceless creature begins to devour my body on the bed. I try to scream and move, but I'm stuck in the corner, and I feel so very awake. This dream, if you will, was so vivid I could smell the blood every time I had it. I never remember waking up, I just know that suddenly I wasn't in the corner watching the, watching the above events unfold. It was so surreal and vivid that I actually had to stop sleeping upstairs for a while. That's amazing. Next one. I've had sleep paralysis for years. Anyhow, one night, a while ago, I had sleep paralysis and I could see things moving in the mirror across my room, scratching in my walls, and my ears felt like I was underwater. Cut to two days later, I was still in, I was still considerably ill and I was confined to the couch for the afternoon. I was horizontal with my head propped up on pillows facing the south wall of our house where there's a large dark brown clock. My mom, who had been staying home with me to make sure I didn't go back into shock, had to run an errand to the neighbor's house. Two minutes after she left and I was alone in the house, I became completely paralyzed on the couch. I tried to scream and I couldn't. I tried to get up to call for help and I couldn't. And then it was like my eyes got locked onto the clock and my breathing became very deep and controlled. At this point, my body started to shake and my head had similar motions to that of a bobblehead. As I was forced to stare at the clock, blackness started closing in around in a circular shape. And just before the shadows and blackness hit the edge of the clock, my mom came around the corner into what would have been my normal line of sight. 
and the darkness snapped back like it had been burned, and my mom said I looked so scary. My eyes were completely glazed over, and my body was just shaking. They took me to the hospital again, but by the time we reached the university, I was pretty much back to normal. I found that the stuff that comes to me in the paralysis episodes is less scary than what I've experienced while completely conscious, so I don't mind it anymore. That's pretty telling, and that's pretty amazing as far as I'm concerned, that you can go through an experience like that over and over and over again and just stop minding it. Alright, the next one says, I'm a big fan of the show, so when I heard your call for sleep paralysis stories in your latest episode, I knew I had to submit one. Hopefully you'll find my account below interesting. Guess what? Spoiler, I do. I only ever experienced sleep paralysis once. I was in the third grade, and I woke rather sluggishly to find that my legs wouldn't support me. Understandably frightened, I called on my parents who came in and after some examination determined that I was faking it so I didn't have to go to school. It wasn't until years later I learned about the possible mechanism behind this. Your brain shuts off, yep, your brain shuts off muscle control during REM, during REM, so that basically you don't act out your dreams. However, in rare instances, you can awake while still mostly or even partially immobilized. Such was the case with me that morning. The part of my brain that told my legs to wake up was late to work that day. Within a few minutes, I could stand on my feet again, and the episode never repeated. Having this early experience led me to investigate this and other related phenomena, so I was well-versed in the lore by the time the next weird thing happened. In my early 20s, a friend of mine told me his tale of what happened once of what happened once he took possession of an old skull that someone had found. I'm going to go ahead and say nothing good ever happens from someone finding an old human skull and giving it to you. He described lying in bed at night with the hall light on and seeing the walls undulate like a sheet hanging on a clothesline. He also said that on more than one occasion, he had awakened to the classic sensation of pressure on his chest and a sense of presence was sitting on top of him. This person goes on to say, I recognize these as signs of the old hag phenomena. I had read much about the lore and science behind this bizarre nocturnal occurrence, which has to do, again, with the rare sensation of being awake while dreaming. I look at it as a biological enigma and not a supernatural event. But then he goes on. Until I spent the night there once and was somehow awakened to discover a shadowy form crouching at the foot of the bed. I don't frighten easily, but the longer I looked at this thing trying to force my mind to make some sense of what I was seeing in the half-light, the more that coiled fear tightened inside of me. Eventually, it expressed itself as a sudden kicking on my behalf at whatever I sensed at the end of the bed. The ruckus I made awoke my friend who turned on the light. There was nothing there. I never saw it again after that. I don't know what my friend did with the skull, either. I can't say for certain it had anything to do with any of that. Maybe it's only by suggestion. Still, I hope he turned it over to someone who was very old-looking and I'm convinced it was either from a burial ground or related to some crime. Yeah, how's that one for you? That was from a listener, and holy crap. Okay, this next one. Hey, had a couple of sleep paralysis experiences I can't quite explain. I know that it's the mind being awake while the body is asleep and hallucinations and everything, but a couple of times it was too real and I don't know what to think. This one time I was lying on my back with my head propped up on the pillow so I could see my feet. I saw my bedroom door open and then close, but nothing, but nothing did and no one was there, but nothing did it and no one was there, or so I thought because I then saw a cat-sized creature crouching at the base of my bed. This thing slowly crawled up the sheets 
up my legs and I could feel the pressure and finally onto my chest. It just sat on my chest looking at my face and it was very close. The odd thing was I couldn't make out the face very well, but he did stare deep into the eyes while paralyzed. All of a sudden it jumped down like it was startled and I could move again and I looked everywhere but it was gone. Another time, I saw a shadow man walking around my room as if searching for something. Every so often, it would look over its shoulder at me and then keep walking. Finally, he, I guess it was a he, disappeared behind my open door. It was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, those are both terrifying. The next one says, I get sleep paralysis fairly regularly, fairly regularly, and I usually don't panic, but one time I was lying on my side with my back to the door. I couldn't move. I heard the door open and close and could hear something walk towards my bed, then get in my bed. It got in my bed behind me under the covers and it put their arm around my waist, like cuddling or spooning me. I could feel its breath on my neck and I could feel the weight of it against me. Inside, I was freaking out, but I tried not to appear afraid because I was afraid it would use my fear or something. Then, it just faded away, and the covers laid down against me again. Nope. This next one is very short, and I'll say hi back, because it says, Hi, Kurt. I've been choked by a shadow person a few times while paralyzed, and it's horrible. Yeah, that is horrible. You're right. Thank you, listener. This next one says, I get sleep paralysis a lot and just learn to deal with it. I don't trust what I see. It's usually shadow people walking around my bed or couch, depending where I'm sleeping. They never hurt me, but often get close and stare at me, even though I can't see their faces. I used to panic and try to call for help or scream, but only on the inside. Now, I just lie there watching them watch me. (sighs) This next one says, My shadow person has a hat on, like a 50s fedora, and it sometimes moves me, drags me to a different position, or a different part of the bed, or it makes a lot of noise even though it never wakes anyone else up in the house. The worst is when he holds me down. The pressure is so real, and so much, like it's one day gonna crush me. So yeah, there is a uh, listener story with the fedora. I don't get that. This next one says, when I have sleep paralysis, it's not a shadow person, but an old man with a crazed grin. Yeah, that's worse. It goes on to say, um, they go on to say, I can see him clearly. He is a white skinned old man in a suit and he walks through the door into my room and smiles as he walks up and feels like he's crushing my chest. The only thing I can move is my eyes and I just keep screaming to myself, wake up, wake up, wake up. This next one says, Hi, Kurt. Love the show. Well, I love you back, and hi. For me, it's when I'm stressed. The more I'm stressed, the more it's real. I never see anything, but I can feel invisible hands on my chest, shoulders, running its fingers through my hair. It's disgusting. I can feel the weight of it on my chest or back, depending how I'm sleeping, and I can feel the warmth of it the entire time. Yeah, that's disgusting. This next one says, My shadow person is an old lady. She doesn't hurt me, even though she scares the hell out of me. She just sits on my bed and watches me whenever I have sleep paralysis. I don't know who she is or why she does it. All right, we got a couple more to go here. Next one says, I have sleep paralysis. I looked into this, so I know it's a medical or biological thing. 
Yes, I feel things pressing down on my chest or hallucinate shadow people, but it's not real no matter how real it feels. For your sake, I hope that's very true. Actually, for all the sleep paralysis listeners' sake, I hope it's not true. This next one says, whenever it happens to me, which is a lot, but getting rarer, I always see a man dressed in all black come out of my closet and stand over me while I try and scream and move, but I can't. And this one says, the worst one that happened to me was when I was facing my husband and it happened. I could see my husband sleeping and the cat-like creature crawled up onto my bed and sat on his chest and looked at me. It looked like my husband could feel the weight of it on his chest and his breathing became harder. Then the cat jumped off of him over me and I could hear it run across the floor and my husband's breathing returned to normal. What do you make of that uh, hallucination, people? Pretty crazy, right? Well, with that, let me ask you the question that you know I'm about to ask you. What do you guys think? What do you guys think causes sleep paralysis? Is it all hallucinations? If they're all hallucinations, how come people have the same hallucinations around the world? People that didn't even know this was a thing, that other people had it. They all seem to have these same hallucinations. The cat, the shadow person, the shadow people with fedoras and long coats, the old woman. What causes that? What medical condition or overactive amygdala causes everyone to see or hear or feel the same things? It makes no sense to me, I can tell you that. So what do you guys think? Do you think, now that you've heard about sleep paralysis, do you think you've ever had it and just never knew what it was? If so, did you see anything? What'd you see? Even though this episode is over, I always want to hear about sleep paralysis and especially about shadow people. I'm sure you guys are very well aware that Halloween is on its way. I have another listener's ghost story episode that I'm preparing now, but I need more. I always need more. If you have a ghost story, a UFO story, an alien story, a cryptid story, if it's real, that's all I care about, I want to hear it. If it's your mom's story, your grandma's story, as long as it's real, I want to hear it. So send them on over to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram, which a lot of you guys have, and I've loved those conversations, or... You can hit me up on Facebook and DM me there. I have a lot of great conversations with a lot of cool people there. I had a couple of conversations on Instagram and on Facebook where people thought I was going to get angry or upset that they were had a, that they had different opinions of their stuff than I did. Trust me guys, I don't. I welcome all opinions. As long as you're not making fun of a guest or a listener ghost story or a listener story, which hasn't happened yet, but as long as you're not doing that, I don't care. I want to hear from you. I love chatting with all you guys. It might take me a little bit to get back to you, but I promise I do my best to get back to all of you. Before we go, once again, if you want to see me on October 13th, go to the Omen House, O-M-A-N, omenhouse.com, and uh, for 99 bucks, you get a seven-hour investigation with me. Plus, we get drinks and snacks, and I'm telling you, Looks like a good spread. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac.
Sit a lot of